Welcome to Prayer Huddle, a community that seeks to host God, influence lives, and revive hearts. The message you're about to listen to is a word in season to make your spirit soar like that of the eagle. Thank you for listening and stay blessed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we've been talking about taking possessions and thanks to um, my wife, she started off that prayer and it was more like a recap to fire us up. Today, I will be talking to us on the key of obedience um, as a powerful tool, a very important tool to taking possession with God. And I want you to follow me with the word of God. The Lord um, told me about the importance of nourishing and feeding the word of God. The word of God is life. That is the tool of revival. So I want you to grab your Bibles, your Apple apps, if you have them on your phones, and we're going to read through some scriptures. First, let us read through Joshua chapter one, Joshua one, uh, verse seven and eight, which has been our primary text. I'm going to supplement that with few readings and then begin to build the body of the word for tonight and receive the guidance that the Lord wants to give us. So Joshua 1, um, 78, Isaiah 48, 17 to 18, and also Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19. So let's start with our text again. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, uh, seems like the Holy Spirit has a lot to say from this Joshua 1. I perceive strongly in my heart that this is a season that God is dividing inheritance to his children. And I want you to be very, very, very sensitive. Don't miss this season. It's a prophetic season. There is an opening in the spirit realm. Doors, hard doors have been opened. New grounds have been conquered. God is leading men and women into uncharted areas of their lives. And there is empowerment to frontier new levels. So I want you to open up in your spirit, you know, in, in, in your spirit, man, and get ready, get ready, get ready. Amen. Amen. Say to the person next to you, get ready, get ready. Amen. Say to the next person, say, get ready. Hallelujah. Amen. Joshua 1 from verse 7. Now only be strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to the law which Moses, my servant, commands you. Now do not turn from me to the right or to the left. That is going to be our point of emphasis. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Do not deviate from it. Okay. It says, it says um, that you may prosper everywhere you go. So God began to show us here how we should handle his word in our lives. Last week, week prior, we talked about putting the word of God to work in our lives. But here he's saying, have a disposition where you are resolute. You are resolute with the word of God. And he said, don't turn to the left or to the right. In the New Testament, he said, don't add to it. Don't remove from it, okay? Let the counsel of God, the word of God, embrace it in its entirety. 
and take it as it is. Don't dilute it. Don't compromise it. Okay. And he said, in so doing, you'll make your way prosperous. And then this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night to observe according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Now, I have the Nevi'im. The Nevi'im is the Jewish Bible. And it has a rendering of this very, of this very verse. I'm going to read it there, the translation. It says in verse 6, be strong, Joshua, be strong. You want to take possession, be strong and resolute. I want you to pay attention to that. Be strong and resolute, for you shall apportion to this people the land which I swore to their fathers to assign it to them. But you must be strong and resolute, again, to observe faithfully all the teaching that my servant Moses enjoined upon you. Now, do not deviate from it to the right or to the left, and that way you will be successful wherever you go. Do not deviate from it. Do not shift ground. Don't sway on the word of God. Today, we want to look at a very powerful secret. And it's a powerful secret because as simple as it is, this is what stratifies men in the, in the, in the layers of greatness. What I'm, we're about to talk about is what stratifies men and women in the layers of greatness. Um, you see that God will bless people. God will anoint people. God will um, visit men and women. People will have some unique encounters. But over the course of years, you'll find out that some people will graduate with this dimension with God um, and take it to the next level. They'll take it up a notch in their lives. Whereas some people, it seems like they'll just be stagnated and it seems like they, they, they might even lose some of the dimensions that they, they encountered with God. The key to it is this key we're talking about, the key of obedience. The key of going all out to obey God is the secret and prerequisite for real success and eternal success with God. I'm going to say that again. The secret and of going all out, going all out in obedience. If God has said it, then I'll, I believe it and I obey it. If God has said it, I believe it and I obey it. This secret of going all out, I have to put it there, going all out, you know, not swaying to the right, not swaying to the left, staying resolute, just like the word of God says, you stay resolute with the word of God in obeying God is the secret to real success, good success is the, is the prerequisite, okay, for eternal success. In, um, in Isaiah chapter 48, I want us to run to Isaiah 48 again, and we're going to read also, God began to introduce himself. He said, Thus saith the Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, instructing you for your own benefit. This is the Jewish translation. I am instructing you for your own benefit. And he says, guiding you in the way that you should go. If only you will heed my commands, then 
your prosperity will be like a river. Amen. Your prosperity will be like a river and your triumph like the waves of the sea. This is saying that you will be unstoppable. Okay. You will, you will really live unstoppable. Your prosperity will be like a river. You know how a river, when it's flowing through its course, you can't stop it. You put something to barricade it, it flows over it. It says your peace, your prosperity would, would, would be like a river. Amen. How many of you are ready for that unstoppable dimension of God in your life? Let me see your hand. Let me see you respond like you truly want it. I want you to confess it with your mouth. Say, my peace, my prosperity shall be unstoppable like a river. Can you say that again? My peace, my prosperity shall be unstoppable like a river. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. He says in King James, he says, I am the Lord God that teaches you how to profit, how to make profit. And God is saying that you, if, you, if you have to understand that the, the way to really, really have a phenomenal breakthrough, a real breakthrough is to come to, to that level where you know that God is your coach, God is your mentor, God is your instructor. And if there's anything you and I, we owe him, is to master obeying him, is to master obeying him, obeying his voice. If there's any man or woman that God is looking for, is somebody he can trust with, with obedience. He can trust and entrust, trust with obedience and entrust with possession. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, we see there that obedience is the key to accessing the good of the land. Now, there is the good of the land. The good of the land is, is a dimension of God's blessing where you are established in, 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 in a blessing that you cannot be removed from. And that's the good of the land. Only God has the key to the good of the land. And he said, if you are willing, if you're obedient, in the Jewish translation, he said, if you do not refuse and you obey, if you do not refuse and you do not rebel, he said, then you will eat the good of the land. Whether it's in America, whether it's in UK, Canada, or in Nigeria, you will eat the good of the land. Amen. Praise the Lord. It don't matter whether you're an immigrant, it don't matter whether you're a first generation immigrant, you will eat the good of the land. I want you to confess and say, I will eat the good of the land because I live in obedience to the almighty God. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, God's blessings in our lives is an entrustment. This is important. God's blessings in our lives is an entrustment. That means God entrusts you with a blessing. God entrusts you with a promotion. God entrusts you with the giftings. God entrusts you with the anointing. God entrusts you with even his presence. Some people carry the presence of God in their lives. It is not something to take for granted. I carry the presence of God in my life. I carry the presence of God in my home. Amen. My, my family operates under open heaven. 
My children, they enjoy the anointing of the Lord. You can have a family that is anointed. You can have a home that is anointed. That's the reason for prayer huddle. And you need to understand that these things are entrustment from the Lord. God is entrusting you with them. Amen. Praise the Lord. God entrusts you with your spouse. God entrusts you with those children. God entrusts you with your job. God entrusts you with your gifts. Amen. Some of you have opportunities to serve and privilege to do things, amazing things. You're so talented. You have the mind. You know, you are creative. It's an entrustment from the Lord. Amen. Now, how will God, you know, prehend your heart? when he brings you into promotion, when God begins to enlarge you. I used to say this to one of um, a brother, you know, and I was telling him uh, when he were just talking together and I told him, I said, look, now that God is visiting you, once, at one time you had no job, you were just all idle, but now you're so busy. God is visiting you and you're blessed, you have a job, like he's just opening doors and all that. I said, let me tell you a secret. Let me tell you a secret. Anytime the Lord promotes me and the Lord bless me and gives me an advantage, I deepen my heart in him. I deepen my roots in him. Why? Because a lot of people, God begins to bless them. And that is when, you know, their heart is, it begins to sway and begins to move here and there. And, you know, they begin to withdraw from the things that, you know, they were doing. They begin to withdraw from the place of fellowship, the place of prayer, the place of connecting, the, the place where they know that the revival fire will continue to burn in their lives. They get carried away, get carried away with the blessing. And God is saying, those are not the kind of people that would take possession of the good of the land. The good of the land is for the obedient, is for the willing, is for those who are resolute with obeying God. Hallelujah. They are resolute with obeying God. Come rain, come shine, whatever. Amen. Whatever, they are still resolute. Think about Daniel. Daniel was in the palace. Daniel was working for government. That guy was busy, but he did not miss his prayers. He did not miss the time of communion with God. He did not miss his habits, the habits of consecration that he had formed. He didn't miss them. There are some of us just coming to America, just coming to America alone. You're not in government. You are not in government. But just the fact that you are now an American or you're Americanized, you just forgot all your spiritual culture, all the things that makes for your, for your faith in God. You just throw them away, push them to the back burner. Oh, yes. Now that you're in UK, you're in a Western country, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you should swear to the right or swear to the left. God is saying, no, those that are going to give this key to possess the land, there are people who will be so resolute to obey my word. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you're blessed by the word, shout hallelujah. Amen. Now, you see, God was telling um, um, Saul, it says obedience is better than sacrifice. What does that mean? 
You know, Saul thought that by giving offerings, by giving things to God, he can buy the heart of God. None of us can buy the heart of God with what we give. Now, what we give to God should be a reflection of our submission to God. What we offer to God should be an extension, okay? It should be a communication of the very deep dealings of God in our lives. It should not be like a shield. Okay, Lord, I'll just give to you, but my heart, which matters the most, I can do whatever I want to do. No, God is saying, no, I want you to come into that place of relationship with me. Now, quickly, I want to take us through some scriptures. Um, in 1 Kings chapter 19, 15 to chapter 19, 15 to 19. You may want to write it down. First uh, Kings 19, 15 to 19, and Second Kings. 8, chapter 8, 8 to 13. Uh, somebody can put on the chat box so that people can um, take note of those scriptures. Because of time, I'm going to run through that story. First Kings chapter 19, 15 to 19, and Second Kings chapter 8, 8 to 13. Now, what happened here is that God spoke to Elijah and God said, go and anoint three people. Go and anoint um, Hazel as king over Syria, Jehu over king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, Abelha, as a prophet in, in your office, in your place. And the Bible says that God, if God, God's intention was to judge idolatry in Israel. So God was setting a three-dimension sword in the land. Whoever escaped the sword of Hazel, Jehu will slay. Whoever escaped the sword of Jehu, um, Elisha will slay. It was a triple-fold anointing. Amen. And But something happened in that story. Elijah could not anoint Hazel and Jehu. Instead, Elijah could only anoint Elisha. And he anointed Elisha. Elisha followed him. Now, many, many, many years later, in fact, maybe up to a decade, in 2 Kings chapter 8, 8 to 13, we now see Elisha, after Elijah is long gone, Elisha now took the oil, gave it to his servant, and said, go and anoint Jehu. Then Jehu was anointed to execute judgment on Jezebel. But before then, this king had sent Hazel in, in, in chapter 8, verse 8 to 13. The king sent Hazel, go and inquire from the prophet Elijah. I am sick if I will recover. And when he came to Elisha, you know, he said, will the king recover? Elisha said the king will recover. But all of a sudden, Elisha stared at this man. He went into the prophetic and began to look intently at him. And he says, sir, my Lord, why are you looking at me? And he began to weep. He said, because I know what you will do. I know what you will do to Israel. For I have seen that you will become king. You know, when this man got back to the king, he, the king asked him, what did the prophet say? He's the captain of his army. He said, well, the, the prophet said you will recover. But a few days after, he himself, he took a wet towel place it over the king and literally suffocate the king to death so that he can become king. Now, my point is God preempted his heart 
And what God saw in his heart when his promotion will come is that he will be a man who will walk contrary to obedience. May you not be a person who will walk contrary to obedience. May heaven not be looking at you and say, ah, and we know what she will do. We know what he will do. If he gets to this level, he gets to this position, if he gets this, you know, there's just some people that God is just watching them, you know, and, and, and it seems like heaven is preempting your heart and said, ah, there's a lamentation already. You have not even gotten your miracle. You've not even gotten there. You've not even gotten the job, you know, and God is, there's a lamentation already concerning the things that you will do. I pray that that would not be our portion. That in, from this word tonight, we'll make a resolution that Lord, no matter what, whether I'm the spouse and I'm the one that is blessed, I'm not gonna change my attitude towards my spouse, towards my wife or towards my husband. In the name, I'm gonna obey the word. The word say, husbands love your wife. Wives honor your husband. He said, I will do that. I will not change. You know, that is what God, is looking for in men and women. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The only battle, the only battle that God has with men is trusting their obedience. The only battle that God has with men is trusting their obedience. And you know, God is saying, when you, when you will be crying for that anointing, when you start carrying that anointing, Will he trust your heart to be steadfast in obedience? Oh, you have been crying for that privilege. You have been crying for that breakthrough. When it comes, will God trust your heart to be obedient to him? It's a big battle. Even Jesus went through it. The Bible says in Hebrews 5, 7 to 9, that Jesus, even though he were a son, they say, whom in the day of his flesh made deep cryings and groaning to God who is able to save him for he feared that he died, really. And the Bible said that though he were a son, though he was a special, he was in that special category, in that class of God, he, the Bible said he learned obedience by the things he suffered. He learned obedience by the things he suffered. There are times that God delays things in our lives because he wants to teach us the system of obedience. Because if you get it and you don't understand obedience, the accuser, the devil, will rob you of that blessing. And it's happened to a lot of God's children. And that is why God, through the things, and the Bible says, let's read that place, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. Turn with me to Hebrews 5, verse 7. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Are you still there? Amen. Praise God. Let me hear your amen. Hallelujah. Now go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5. Look at verse 7. Wow. How delightful is the word of God. He said, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him who was able to save him from death, was heard in that he feared. Verse 8. Though he were a son, capital S, yet learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all those that will obey him. All those that obey him. Can you see that? So we are actually fruits of Christ's obedience. We are children of obedience. Amen. We are children of obedience. That is what we call the obedience of faith. 
in the Bible, the obedience of faith. Now, you need to understand that the saints who walk with God, like Abraham, the Bible says in Hebrews 11, it says, now by faith, in Hebrews 11, 7 and 8, he said, Noah, being warned of God, okay, he heard God that there will be rain to judge the earth. Even though he was preaching it, people did not believe him, just like people did not believe Christ or believe rapture. The Bible says for 120 120 um, years, he was building the ark. Amen. Building the ark for that long. And they just did not believe him. They mocked him. And he continued being warned by God. He builds the ark to the saving of his family and he condemns the world. Also, by faith, Abraham, when he was told to come to a higher place, God said, come, come up higher. I'll take you somewhere to a land which he knew not of, which he has not seen. He believed, be moved by faith. Now, these were men who journeyed with God by faith. Hallelujah. But if you look at the New Testament, there is the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith by which we, God's children, who are children of God, heirs of the promise, who are blood washed, who are saved by the spirit, we actually walk with God by this obedience of faith. By the way, we are saved by this obedience of faith. You know, the Bible says in, in Ephesians, it says that it says you are saved by grace through faith, through faith. But the dimension of faith that actually brought us salvation and grace is the obedience of faith. I'm going to show you that really quick. Come with me to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 2, First Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Hallelujah. 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 I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. Amen. Praise God. Come on, run with me. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22. It says, Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. That is how we got saved. He says, seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, and see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Verse 23, being born again. So that's how we're born again. Being born again, not of the corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible seed by the word of God, which lives and abide forever. In 2 Thessalonians, turn to 2 Thessalonians, um, more, a, lot, a few more scriptures to substantiate that. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 8, look at what it says. It says, it says from, verse, from verse 7, and to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in verse 8, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that do not know God. That and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the way we actually receive the gospel in our heart, we receive it by faith and it produced the obedience of faith in us. We began to obey it, okay? If you are not obeying the gospel, you're not living according to the gospel and the chance that you're not saved by the word yet. And this is very important because this is where at times a lot of believers, they, they, they kind of miss it. Amen. They, they almost miss it. I, I said to somebody, I said, this is, this is me speaking. 
in the authority as an apostolic and a prophetic voice, right? It's not in the word. I actually believe that our work with God, our faith work with God is a life of obedience. It's actually a call of obedience. Obedience. As many that are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That means you are led, you are guided, you hear and you obey. Amen. I think, and I, I believe strongly that if a person lives in obedience, hearing God's voice, it will be hard for you to miss the rapture. But if you, if you live in disobedience, even though you've encountered this word of God, you might miss the rapture. It's possible to miss the rapture. Because guess what? The rapture is a call. It is Jesus himself calling. And if you, if you have not built a system of hearing his voice and acting to his voice and heeding to his voice, even when people die, the Bible says the dead in Christ, those that sleep in the Lord, when they are called at the sound, at the blast of the last trumpet, then they will arise. So what will cause that response, what will cause that trigger is that they have that capacity to hear even in dead. Are you getting me? So if, if any person is living in disobedience, because you can be a child of God living in disobedience, and so there will be people who will miss the rapture because of that. And the Bible is saying that who obey not the gospel, who obey not the gospel. Now let's read Hebrews 11. Um, John chapter John chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, that is, if you stay in my word, you keep hearing my word, you keep paying it, then you're my disciples indeed. Now, I want to say something. If God, if the Bible is talking about children of obedience, we are children of obedience by faith, by the obedience of faith. That therefore means there are children of disobedience. There are children of disobedience because the children of obedience, okay, we are under the influence of the spirit of God. We are led, we are guided, we are instructed by the spirit of God within the premise of the word. Now, there are children of disobedience and the Bible talks about them, um, we being like that. Before we were saved, in, the, in Ephesians chapter 2, we want to talk to Ephesians 2. It says in verse 1, and you, that is me and you, before we met the Lord, he said, he had quickened us now, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past we walk according to the course of this world, the way this world lives, according to the passion, the desires, the flesh, the cravings, the sensuality of this world. And he said, according to the prince of the power of the air. Now that is the influence on the children of disobedience. He says, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. So you see, there are times that you see people who are really saved. These are children of God, but they have a problem of living in obedience, obeying God's word. They just have a problem, okay, in staying uh, obedient to the Lord. It is still the influence, okay, of the, the spirit of the prince of the air. Amen. Now I have a few more minutes before it is 6.15. So now let us see 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 17. 1 Peter 4 verse 17 and I will show you something there and then I will close this thought and move to the last one. First Peter chapter 4, verse 17. 
First Peter chapter four, verse 17. You know, I, as I was contemplating this word, I, I began to think and look at what is going on in the world today, right? You look at what is going on in the world today. If, say for instance, when we talk about um, disobedience, um, if there are people that they're just living in ignorance, they, they do not know what God's word say. They, they actually, they are ignorant. But you see, the, the, the life we live is a legal, like it's, it's, it's a, it, the word itself is legal. And that is where you see that people are ignorant. They do, they do not know what God's word say concerning a situation. And they're living, you know, contrary to God's word. Okay, it's disobedience. Now, but if you know the word of God, you have been taught the word of God, you have been shown the word of God, and you intentionally go contrary to it. Now, that is not just disobedience. That is actually a form of disobedience. It's rebellion. You're taking a position um, or, you know, of thought against the word of God. I know that's what God's word says, but I'm going to argue it. I'll think around it. I have my opinion. I have my notion. And, and you know, that's how some people live. There, there are a lot of people who are living unknowingly in disobedience. Unknowing disobedience. For instance, there are people who they just carried away by the culture, like the way the culture is, the Western culture, when you caught, I mean, somebody's your boyfriend, somebody's your girlfriend, you guys can, you just literally just live together, try it out, you're not sure, you know, stay as long as you want to stay together, live together, do everything together, pretty much live like couples, right? And um, if it doesn't work out, then you break up and move on to the next one. And the next one too, the cycle starts all over. Live together, sleep together, do everything together. If it doesn't work, I don't like this, then, then you break and go move on to the next one. Now, if it works, some people will now, okay, organize like a special time to not actually propose to the person, right? Now, you see that kind of thing. And th th they come to the Lord. They start learning of, of, of the Lord. Say, but that looks right. That's what everybody does. You know, that's, that's what everybody, God's word actually speaks contrary to that. Anybody who wants to embrace the word of God, live by the word, take possession in that aspect because you want to lay a sure foundation. You say, okay, this is what God has said. God's word has said. I'm going to live by it. I'm going to lead by it because those are the things that God is looking for in those that are working with him and those taking possession. Now, if somebody who actually knows the word and they just want to go contrary to that, that is living in rebellion. Lawlessness is another dimension of disobedience. And that is the one you start saying, you know, in what we're saying in today's America. You know, lawlessness is is uh, it's a thin line between freedom and lawlessness freedom is uh, i want to be able to do what i want to do the way i want to do it lawlessness is i want to be able to do what i want to do the way i want to do it and as it be as the need my arise i make my rules or break my rules that's lawlessness without rules without rules and no accommodation for it so when you start saying things like culture shift 
people saying, oh, no, don't talk about, don't talk about this people. You can't talk about that. You can't even make them feel like what, what they're doing is wrong. You can't talk about gay. You can't, no, you can't preach it. No, you don't, 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 don't go there, you know, because when you do that, what is wrong? What is right? So we now have a system where there's nothing wrong. Nothing is right. Nothing is holy. Nothing is righteous. So in other words, the devil begins to infect the entire creation of God with his rebellion through lawlessness. The Bible says that in the last days, that is one of the spirit that will be perversive. There will be lawlessness. And here we're just preaching this word because we know that one of the keys to revival is that you have to be able to address the spirit of the age. You have to be able to address it with the word of God. I pray that the Lord will keep our hearts from every form of lawlessness because there, there is a way it can begin to creep in into the lives of people. You start seeing children are confused, husband and wife are confused. I was going through a statistics in Atlanta. It is terrible. What is going on? Atlanta needs to be hit by the power of God's revival. The churches need to wake up again. A lot of females, young females in, a, in Atlanta are unmarried. Why? Because a lot of the males, uh, permit me to say a lot of the men, the black men, they are all doing all kinds of stuff. Some are on the G. They call it on the G. So they are married, but they are also living another kind of life as gay. But you see, that is those are those are things that when we, people begin to embrace them, and they also want to go to church, they also want to be, you know, identified with the people of God and all of that. And God is saying, and it comes to taking possession. My children need to know where they stand. They need to know how to stand for what they stand. They need to believe what they stand, preach what they stand. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. First Peter chapter 4, verse 17. First Peter chapter 4, verse 17. I'm going to read that and I will close with authority. Amen. Ha 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 ha. La now in verse 17, it says, for the time is come, the judgment must begin at the house of God. For it first began, if it first began, begin with us, um, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel? You know, most people, um, uh, people preach the gospel with the notion that, you know, just, just, just confess. Once you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are saved. We need to understand that God has inbuilt a systemic process for salvation. It's not based on doctrines or guidelines. No. If you believe in your heart, that's where it starts from. There's a believing in your heart. What you believe in your heart, you confess. So your confession, the authority of your confession is actually the dealings going on in your heart. The conviction going on in your heart, what the spirit of God is doing in your heart, what the word of God is doing in your heart. And by that, the Bible says we obey the gospel. We hear, we hear the gospel and there's just something with the presentation of the word of God and the gospel that made us obey it. We follow it. The word obey means we follow it. You follow the gospel. Your heart follow the word. Your heart follow the gospel. Amen. And follow it, follow it to the cross and experience the life transforming forgiveness, life transforming change and the, the renewing power of the word of God by the teaching of the word. Amen. Now, lastly, we're going to close and I'm going to say this. 
Our authority as God's children is tied to our obedience. Our authority as God's children is tied to our obedience. The second Corinthians chapter 10, very, very popular scripture for those of you who uh, pray spiritual warfare a lot. Um, in fact, this is the scripture the Lord opened, uh, woke me up with. Second uh, Corinthians 10, it says, it began to describe the life of a believer, that it is, we're not, we're not living a kind of life and we're, our domain, even though we're of this world, we live in this world, our domain of operation is spiritual. Hallelujah. It says in verse three, for though we walk in the flesh, we walk in the flesh, we, we do stuff in the flesh. It says, we do not war after the flesh. That is not our, that's not our target in warfare. It says for the weapons, because of the manner of our weapons, the kind of weapons, the armories with which we are armed with, it also dictates the kind of warfare we're fighting. So if you fight like from air, you're fighting with drones. It's different from when you have boots on the ground. It's different from when you're fighting nuclear war. The, it said the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty, mighty through God to pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, this is where spiritual authority comes in. God speaks, you obey it, then you speak, and everything obeys you. I say that again. God speaks, you obey, and you speak in prayer, you speak and decree, then things around you obey. Because not until our obedience is complete, things will not obey us. Hallelujah. The reason why people are praying, they're not seeing things happen, they're decreeing and nothing is happening. It's almost like the case of Paul, I know Christ, I know who are you. You know, where, where our authority comes from is the place of obedience, where our obedience of faith, okay, in God brings everything in our hearts, the thoughts in our heart, the imaginations in our heart, the thoughts of everything, bring it to the obedience of Christ. It says in verse six, having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Wow. The life we've been called to is a life of obedience. The blessing follows the obedience. It says, if you are willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. All that God ever demanded of the first man in dominion is to obey. All that God ever demanded of the first man in, in dominion is to obey. God began to open my eyes and say, look, a lot of people are losing grounds because the, the devil succeeded to make people take lightly this area. If God cannot trust you to obey and do his will, that was the problem he had with Saul. God raised Saul. God gave him simple mandate. He, he, he tried to negotiate. He said, Lord, I save the animals, save the people. At least we can do a really, really sacrifice party. It will be really nice and you'll be impressed. And God said, no, obedience is better than sacrifice. All that God will demand of you, sir and ma'am, in your new level, as you take possession, is obedience. It's obedience. 
Maybe you're in a marriage and the marriage is stormy and you're just praying, Lord, let your peace reign in the soul. Let your peace. Maybe we should visit obedience. Maybe, maybe we should look at what God has said concerning how he wants us to live. That the man should love, honor his wife, right? And I obey. At times it's tough, it's difficult, but I obey because I want that peace of God. I want to take possession of my home. And, and you're the woman, you know, you, you're actually right. But the problem is that you're right. The problem is about you claiming right. Maybe it's now time to say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to obey what you're saying. And I'm just going to give this a try. I'll give obedience a try in my home. And guess what? Father obey, father aligns. Mother obey, mother aligns. Then guess what? The spirit of obedience begins to reign in the children. The children begin to come under your authority. The children begin to come under God's authority. And that is what God is calling us to today. I want us to pray. And, and I just want to give an all. I want to give a call before I pray. You're, you're here. You heard my voice just before I pray. Really quick. Time is far spent. And you're, you're saying, I want the grace of God. I've heard this word and I don't want it standing against me in judgment. I want the grace of God. Maybe I've been obeying or maybe it's partial obedience. Maybe it's in part, but Lord, I just want your grace to obey you. Each time you speak to me, there are a lot of people who are stuck. Uh, wherever you are, just put up your hand or, or put, let me pray with you. I want to pray with you uh, and just close your eyes. There's nothing to be ashamed about. This is fellowship. Hallelujah. You know, you're saying, God, I just want to obey you. There are people who say that I can't hear God's voice anymore. I can't hear what God is saying. Why? Because the last thing God told you, you got stuck on it, not obeying it. You got stuck on the very last thing God said to you, just not obeying it. Father, in the name of Jesus, please raise up your hand. Let's pray. I begin to thank you for this word. And I thank you because when you, when, when you started speaking in this direction, you started walking even repentance in my heart and changing my heart. And I thank you because you're walking the same repentance and the same change in the heart of your people. You're bringing us into great possession to take the land to possess our homes and family, the cities and everything around us, even spiritual possession but you want to entrust us with these possessions. And you said only if we obey. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, the grace not to go to the right, not to move to the left, to stand by your word, to be firm, to be resolute. I begin to pray right now that that grace will rest on your people in the name of Jesus Christ. That, Lord, you will make us courageous. You told Joshua, be courageous. At times you want to obey God, but it's just tough. Lord, I pray for that courage. I pray for that boldness in our hearts. Lord, even as much as we started this journey of salvation by obeying the gospel, I pray the Lord will obey all through to the end. We'll continue and indeed be your disciples. I pray for grace for every one of your children, your daughters, your sons who are connecting right now with their hands lifted up. Let this grace begin to walk in their life. Let this word be established in our lives. Thank you, Heavenly Father. For in Jesus' precious name, we pray. And amen and amen. Father, I pray that as we start this walk of obedience, whatever has been disobedient in our lives, they begin to hear your voice through us. They begin to hear us and hear to us, even the place of prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.
Praise the Lord. Amen. How Thank you for listening to this message. We love to stay in touch and to see you at one of our events. You can find out more about us on our website at prayer-huddle.com. Email us at feedback at prayer-huddle.com or on our Instagram at prayer underscore huddle.